I've never heard so many awes in all my life. <laughs> our parent-child dedication will take place at the beginning of our second service, but uh, some of you won't be there, and I wanted to give you a taste of what that's going to be like. And we are so very thankful for our young families and for the children that they're bringing up. And we want to spend just a few minutes in that service allowing them to dedicate themselves to raising their kids in a way that pleases God. So let's also have prayer for those families before we get started with our sermon. We are blessed by so many young families in our church. We're thankful for their children, thankful that they are part of our community of faith. And God, we all know that parenting is a challenge, and so we ask that you would be with them as they raise up their children. Give them wisdom and knowledge. Give them love. God, we ask that you would provide everything that they need. And God, we also ask that you will show us how we can stand alongside them and bless them and guide them in any way we can do. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we focused on family relationships over the past few weeks, and they are so important to us, and we've thought about some keys to healthy family relationships that come to us from Scripture, from the teaching of the Bible. And we know that those family relationships are not always very easy. Parenting, for example, we don't ever hear many parents say, you know, parenting is just so easy. I found it to be no problem at all, right? Nobody says that. Nobody even says, you know, marriage to me is just the easiest thing I've ever done, right? It's because we bring people together in close quarters with competing desires and goals and personalities, and sometimes it's just not going to be easy. And so we've thought about some things that can keep those family relationships strong even though there are challenges to them at times. Now, I've told you before that I was really blessed with a pretty easy childhood. I can remember just sort of living with with my life thinking that everybody had grandparents who were living close by and went to church with you and you had Sunday dinner with them and they were there at important moments in your life and you loved to go to their house. You loved to be around them as much as you liked to be at home. Home was great, but grandparents' house was even better at times. I remember thinking that's just the way life was. And I can remember being guilty of, with my parents, you know, hearing them try to encourage me and say kind things and how much they love me and either thinking or saying, well, you have to think that. You're my parents, right? But of course, that's not true, is it? Not everybody has grandparents who are even there or nearby or care enough to be part of their lives. And certainly not all parents choose to show and express love and encouragement for their children. It just doesn't always work that way. Family life is not always easy. Not every family is filled with love and joy and happiness all the time. In fact, no family is filled with love and joy and happiness all the time, is it? Because family life can be a challenge. And we've talked through some of those challenges And we've thought about some things that can keep us together even though we do face challenges. And 
And some of those keys that we've talked about, I think, lead us to where we are today. Today is the, the last sermon in this series, and it really is the culmination of everything we've talked about. Now, when we're going through those tough times, some of the very things we've discussed are the things that carry us through. Like last week, we talked about forgiveness, and certainly forgiveness really is a key to, to keeping family healthy. And we've talked about listening, and we've talked about respect for one another. All those are hugely important, but the one we have today really, I think, is the most important and ties all of those things together. Now, in this series, what we've done is not necessarily turn to passages that just specifically talk about family relationships, but passages in the Old and New Testament that speak to our relationships in general, and then we've applied them to family. What does this have to say about family? And that's what I want us to do today as we turn to some teaching from Jesus. A powerful teaching that I think we're probably relatively familiar with, and yet we need to hear over and over. So in John chapter 13, Jesus is in the midst of what we call the farewell discourses. This is Jesus teaching to his disciples at their last meal together, not long before he was crucified. So this is what he wants them to know. And, and part of this teaching is this is my relationship with the Father. He and I are one. If you want to know God, then you got to know me. That's what Jesus told his disciples. This is just the 12, okay? And he talked about his relationship with them, and he talked about their relationships with one another. Over and over, we see that relationship is important to Jesus. And so in the midst of this teaching, we hear Jesus say this in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, we hear Jesus say, love one another. Say, okay, that's not earth shattering. We know Jesus said that. We know that's part of Christian teaching. But what surprises us, I think, is when he says, a new command I give you. Now, in what, in what sense could this possibly be new? We know that some of the other Gospels record Jesus saying, well, he quotes Leviticus 19.18, and, and it basically says this, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? And we've taken that, Jesus says, love God and love others. That's become our mission as a church, okay? And, and so we hear him saying this before he says it here in John chapter 13. But here he says, it's a new command. Now, if Jesus has been preaching and teaching that they should love one another from the beginning of his ministry, in what possible sense could it be new that he calls them here at the very end to love one another? How is this a new command? And I think it's new because of the way Jesus phrases it. It's new because in this passage, Jesus sets an entirely different standard than he did before. He raises the bar. Before, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, there's probably times when we're disappointed in ourselves, when we struggle with something we've done or something about us, and, and we don't feel super loving to ourselves. But most of the time... We show our love for ourselves by the way we treat ourselves, like most of us had food this morning, right? We got up out of a bed, okay? We put clothes on, we came here, and, and, and all of that is because we love ourselves. 
That's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But we do love ourselves. We take care of our bodies and our spirits because we love ourselves. And Jesus said, like Leviticus 19.18, going way back, love your neighbor, the person near you, as yourself. Provide for them as you would provide for yourself. Be willing to sacrifice for them as you would sacrifice for yourself. That's a pretty high standard, right? Because I do a lot for me. And I don't know if I'm ready to do as much for you as I do for me, okay? That's what Jesus said. But here, at the end of his ministry, he doesn't say, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. As he brings these 12 men together, he says, I want you to love each other like I've loved you. I, I don't want your love just to be like, okay, how you love yourself, you love each other, but I want to raise it a little higher than that. I want you to love each other like I've loved you. And if we want to see what that means, all we have to do is turn over just a couple chapters to where Jesus says this in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. He says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Okay, that's the same thing. But then it's the next verse that gets us. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, Jesus was prepared to die. He knew it was coming. And so when Jesus says, I want you to love each other as I have loved you, he's pointing forward to what's about to happen. That he was willing to give his own life for them. Not just that he was willing to provide some food for them or clothing or shelter, which is important, okay? Which we're called to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do for others as you would do for yourself. Jesus says it's more than that. Love each other to the point that you are willing to die because you see, that's what Jesus did. It wasn't just that Jesus died, okay? We all die. It's that Jesus was willing to give himself for the people around him and for us. Jesus' death had meaning. You know, not that long ago, we were studying in Romans 4 through 6, and we talked about the fact that at the cross, things changed. At the cross, who we are with God begins to change because of what Jesus has done. That changes everything. Changes the rest of human history. Changes eternity. Jesus' death had meaning because it was given. It changed something for other people. It wasn't just a death, okay? It's a death with meaning. And so here, Jesus is saying, I want you to have that same willingness to give to other people that you will see me give in just a few hours. Greater love has no one than to give his life for his friends. If we begin to take that and think through what that looks like, Jesus is not talking about family, but certainly this, this speaks to family life. 
that, that if Jesus was willing to give himself, even to death, for the people around him, and he says, I want your love to be like this, so that's the kind of love that we're supposed to have for our spouses, for our kids, for our parents, for our grandparents and grandchildren, and, and you keep going out. You know, Peter says over in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, we could talk about exactly what Peter means by that, but certainly I think part of what Peter means by that is, yeah, family life's difficult, and we mess up, and we sin, and we sin against each other in our families at times. But we make it through all that because of our love for each other. And because the people around us know that our love is deep enough that we are willing to love as Jesus loved. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus says. If we bring all this together, I might put it this way. Love is the glue that holds families together. And that's really what keeps us bound together over long periods of time, decades, whole of life sometimes. Love is the glue that makes that happen. Now, even as I say that, I mean, part of my reaction even to that statement is this. That sounds a little, sounds a little mushy, doesn't it? Sounds a little soft. I mean, that's not just love keeps families together. That's not an exclusively Christian piece of advice. In fact, our world says that. Love will keep us together, right? Captain and Tennille, whatever, right? But it's not just a feeling. It's not even just the longing for a certain feeling for a person you've pledged yourself to. It's not just the joy of holding a new baby. It's not just the, the memories of a childhood that's past. Love is not just an emotional reaction to the, the way we see another person. When Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you, that is not the same command, the same piece of advice that our world might give us if it said, love is the glue that holds families together. Because the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here can have a really hard edge to it at times. The kind of love that Jesus is talking about here can challenge us and provoke us and call us to do things that are super uncomfortable because we are willing to love to the point of death, to lay down our lives, which can mean a host of things, right? It can mean actually giving our lives, dying for someone else, but it might mean spending our lives serving someone else. It's a powerful thing when Jesus says to love each other as I have loved you. It's not just a soft, mushy, emotional saying. It might be partly that. 
but it might be putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations that we don't really want to be in. You know, if we're really talking about the kind of love that Jesus has, it might mean that we show up at a police station because someone we loved made a big mistake. And they need us to post bail. And we never thought we'd find ourselves in, in this setting. We never thought this would happen. And yet here, here we are. It might mean choosing not to show up to do just that. Because someone has not learned their lesson over and over and over again. And that might be even harder. It might mean admitting that we've been hurt. You know, it takes, it takes some humility to go to someone and say, and what you said, what you did, it really hurt. Because what we really want to say is what they did didn't affect me. I'm stronger than that. They can't bring me down. And yet it might be that what was said, what was done really did hurt and has had long-lasting effects. And going to that person and saying, I don't really want to talk about this, but love might require that. Love might require when someone comes to us and humbles themselves and says, you know what you did hurt? Love might mean that we have to swallow some of our own pride and some of our anger and that gut reaction to defend ourselves and to listen and to allow that person to speak and tell us what our actions really did and have that difficult conversation and maybe even change something that is integral to who we are and the person we've been. Love might mean that we provide care for someone in our families, maybe for a very long time, maybe someone with a special need, or maybe someone, because of age, who's beginning to not know who we are. And that long-term care can be difficult and taxing, and it might be more than we really want to do. But that's laying down your life for someone. The kind of love that Jesus had, this kind of love that has a hard edge, might mean talking to someone in our families about an addiction that they've developed that has overtaken their lives and is ruining not only their lives, but other people's lives. Love might mean that. Love might mean that we value the person over their politics, right? It might be that there's somebody in your family that you think, how in the world can they think the way that they think? How could they support that person? that candidate. And you know if you talk about it, you're both going to end up mad, right? You value the person over the politics. The relationship over being right. Love's the glue that holds families together. That's the kind of love that Jesus calls us to have if we're going to lay down our lives for each other. You know, love is not just, it's not just holding babies. It's not just birthdays and anniversaries. It's not just family reunions and holidays. Love is sometimes 
making very difficult choices and showing up in places that we don't want to be just because Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. It requires some hard choices. Yeah, sometimes it's a good feeling and feeling warm inside about another person who has meant a lot to us for many years. That's love. And sometimes love is making really hard choices to lay ourselves down for the good of other people. But I think if we bring both those together, that's the glue that holds us together as families. That's the glue that leads us to be able to respect and teach and listen and forgive, as we've talked about over the past four weeks. I mean, th- this is what, what really makes all of that happen. This is where it both begins and ends. So on this Mother's Day, when we're thinking a lot about family, maybe thinking about our own mothers and grandmothers and maybe our children and grandchildren and other people who are like children to us, we're reminded. If we want these family relationships to last for years and decades and all of life, well, all it requires is love. But love might require everything. Let's pray together. God, help us to model our love for each other, and especially for our families, on the kind of love that you have shown us, the kind of love that was displayed most powerfully on the cross. God, prepare us to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters and for our families. Now we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus did lay down his life for you. And all he asks in return is that we respond. That we accept him as our Lord and Savior. That we put our faith in him. That we confess him as Lord and we're baptized into him. If you're ready to make that decision, if you're ready to dedicate yourself to him, we'd love to talk you through it. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.